Hello everyone and welcome to the Sporting Voices podcast. I'm Steve Hall and I'm delighted to say that I am joined by a voice that you'll all be very, very familiar with. I am joined by John Gwynn. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Okay, Steve, we should let our audience know that you're a Liverpool supporter and I'm a Man City supporter, but that won't come between us during the next half hour or so because we're both Lancashire supporters, aren't we? We, we, yeah, exactly. We found a we found an olive branch between between the, <laughs> down the East Lancs for sure. Um, yeah, John, let, let's crack on straight away. Um, obviously, we're going to we're here to talk about your your career as a whole and what it's like to to work in sports media. That's what the people are here to listen to. Um, I imagine if the people who are listening right now, if they hear your voice, the, the first thing many of them will think about will be your work on the dart scene. Um, First of all, and without going into too much detail, just how much fun, because it looked like you guys were just constantly having a barrel of laughs every time I listened to you guys on the TV, whether it be uh, back in the 90s, right the way up to when you retired what, a few years ago now, it just seemed like it was such a good laugh, if nothing else. Yeah, so, well, I think we we were in the entertainment business. Uh, Sid Waddell, of course, who was, um, I would say, foremost in the uh, what what was known as the Holy Trinity. That was Sid, Dave and Lanning and myself. Uh, Sid was foremost in emphasising that we're in the entertainment business. And um, he emphasised, and, and, and he was quite right, that uh, good games looked after themselves. All we had to do was add to them, add to the pictures. And uh, But he said there were the indifferent games and the poor games was where we did our work. And uh, often you would have to try and be entertaining. And that's not a case of a laugh a minute, but it's just to uh, inject humour into the conversation, into the commentary. Um, and I think most people acknowledge that Sid and I were probably utmost at uh, bouncing off each other. And uh, it was great fun. There's no doubt about it. Dave yeah. Lanning, could indulge as well in his own way. Absolutely, John. And I was about to say is that it's very rare sometimes in media where people don't take themselves too seriously. A lot of people have got very serious heads on. But while you guys were were very professional and you, you were still explaining what was going on and you were commentating on the action, there was a side to it where, like you say, you realise that, you know, this is entertainment as well. I, I always found as a viewer or as someone tuning in, you, you guys got that balance pretty spot on. It can be hard to to balance that you could go either way you could be too serious or you could be too jovial you how did you guys go about finding that, that balance that, you, that we spoke about well there are times in a game where you've just got to let the darts take over i mean in a serious game where both players are really giving their all you can't be cracking jokes every few seconds every few minutes uh, the game's far too serious at times but then the lighter moments will present themselves If a player, for instance, in a very, very tense game um, does something particularly unusual, Sid certainly was always, always capable of making something of that moment. I think I was and I think Dave Lanning was certainly those three of us who who were the three and, of course, the modern commentators, uh, some of them do the same. Um, uh, It isn't something that is... uh, uh, just the preserve of, of, of me, Sid and Dave. Although I think we are, we worked very nicely as a little trio, as a team. But yes, you've got 
to let the serious moments be exactly that. And uh, I think instinct tells you, a commentator's instinct tells you when you can take the foot off the pedal and uh, and relax a bit more. Yeah, and, and then really, there were times in a game when we wouldn't speak for 30 seconds. Incredible, really. But we knew that there was nothing to say because the darts were doing the talking. The combination of the darts, the player's reaction, the referee calling the score and the reaction of the crowd is, is not often, but, but, but sometimes enough. And then the commentator comes in at an opportune moment, uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at the right moment, in the same way uh, and, and, and you and I are cricket lovers, that the great Richie Benno would do that in cricket. You would have you would have moments, long, long periods of silence, and then he would say something absolutely, totally apposite to the moment, and he would be brief, and he would be uh, succinct. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's very much someone I looked up to, and uh, again, I, I grew up in the the, the two thousands era. He was a voice again just define that area for sure and to be fair John there'll be people Darts fans who will say the same about you um, you know someone who's been there around their lives there'll be people again of a certain age who've grown up listening to your voice does that ever resonate with you that you know when you look back at all these famous guys for example Sky have been showing a lot of replays recently for obvious reasons there yeah. hasn't been a ton of live sport and your, your voice is synonymous with some of the greatest moments in the history of that sport that would well, be something that you're very proud of what? Oh, yes, and probably the greatest, and that was when Barney beat Taylor in, on yes. January the 1st, 2007. And Barnevelt is the <laughs> champion of the world! Amazing. And um, that is exactly what, what the moment gave. And Sid would have called it, had the previous visit been successful, either to Barney or to Taylor. Um, and we tended to alternate the opportunities. So um, uh, it was my turn, if you like, and uh, and I hope I made the most of it. Uh, but um, I mean, the, the 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 most famous as well is when Taylor did that very first live nine d- uh, data uh, in in the UK on Sky Sports on that famous uh, August the second, two thousand and two. And the words that Sid and Dave Lanning between them used were absolutely perfect. And uh, I wasn't in the arena at the time because I was off commentary. I was, I'd been out sunbathing and, uh, and I was on my way back in knowing that I was doing the game after that. And somebody said, oh, uh, but, hey, that was a great nine dart to one. I said, what do you mean? Have I missed one? He said, Yes, Taylor's done an I said, just my luck. I said, I was eating ice cream out on the front. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I did have some great moments to, and, and I cherish them now. But, um, yeah, that's what, that's what, it's nice that people do. And the thing is, you, you, you just don't realise who is listening and who is. Because uh, when the England team returned from uh, overseas tour to Sri Lanka, uh, one or two of them I knew, Graham um, Swan, um, Ryan Sidebottom, uh, one or two I knew. So uh, I went and had a chat with them and they were all there sitting down. And Alistair Cook, young Alistair Cook, 
said, oh, he said, oh, John Gwynn, he said, I've been listening to you ever since I was a child. He said, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Now, I said, well, it's nice to meet you, Alistair. He'd only got one test ton at that time, and he was the only one to score a ton in Sri Lanka. I remember congratulating him. And, um, and I said, actually, Sid and I are on the next game, I said. Uh, we'd done this from time to time. It wasn't a regular thing, but it was from time to time. We would allow somebody to come in and sit at the back of the commentary box and just watch as it were. And uh, I was always on the left, Sid was always on the right. And um, Alistair came and sat at the back and watched us through this game. And at the end, he was absolutely flabbergasted. He just said, well, he said, that's the best Christmas present anybody could have given me because he's mad. He said, I grew up, I'm absolutely mad on darts. He's not a bad player, to be honest. I think he and Jimmy have played a time or two on telly uh, for fun. And uh, they take it very seriously because they're professional sportsmen. And it doesn't matter even at marbles, you're still trying to win. But um, uh, Alistair and I became good friends after that. And uh, he got me tickets for a test match at Edgbaston. I met his parents. And, uh, and, and every time uh, I bump into him, we always, he's always willing to have a chat and he's always a nice nice fella now uh, moments like and another example is that you know i do football for soccer saturday and i've done for 25 years in a couple of years time and afterwards not every game but often we do post-match interviews and i'll interview somebody and he'll say oh he said nice to meet you john Gwynn." i'd say john Gwynn from sky sports oh really nice to meet you and, I remember once uh, it was Shrewsbury Town and Burton Albion and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was the well, Burton manager at the time. It was before he flirted off to QPR. So it was about seven years ago. And after the game, after the game I interviewed him and I interviewed Mickey Mellon from Shrewsbury. And after the interview with Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, I'd, I said, Jimmy, I said, I'd like to thank you for... Uh, for the entertainment you gave us during your career, I said, I, I loved you as a player and I'm not alone in that. I said, I, I said, you're an absolute legend. And he said, John, I'm not the legend. He said, you're the legend. Well, that meant a lot to me because Jimmy Floyd Ashelbank is Dutch and every Dutch person who's interested in sport watches the darts, of course, and the English commentary. And you commentated on you commentated on the, the greatest moment perhaps in in Dutch history. Like you mentioned before the the Barneveld call. Uh, so I can imagine that you are very popular uh, over in Holland as well. You, you mentioned there, John, well, briefly. Oh, sorry, you mentioned there um, about cricket. And I was, I was, if you don't mind, I was going to move a little bit onto the cricket side of things. In that, again, we mentioned at the top of the show, you and I share a, a love for Lancashire Cricket Club, um, and you you've done a lot of commentary for Lancashire in the past. You mentioned earlier about. Sometimes when you're doing commentary for Sky and you can let the pitchers do the talking. Now, when you've done your Lanx commentary, often it's been on radio or you, you did the dial-in phone commentary. In those scenarios, you, you have to paint the picture. And I'm thinking along the same lines as anyone who listens to the BBC TMS, even to this day, how different was it, like you said before, to go from a, a sport where you can let the pitcher do the talking to something where you, you are constantly having to fill air because there is no, you can't leave dead air on, on the radio or on the phone, etc. Yes, uh, 
they are two different and yet the same skill. Uh, on the radio, you, you, you've got to be... Uh, verbose is probably the wrong word, but I'll use it nonetheless. Uh, you can't stop for too long. You still got to let the commentary breathe. Uh, in any any sport, the commentary has to breathe. That means the moments where you can just relax. And 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 when I commentated at Old Trafford, I commentated around the country, of course, at all Lancashire games, uh, both on the cricket call telephone service for three years, and then for another eleven years for the BBC in the northwest. Merseyside, Lancashire and Manchester and both West tonight as well. Um, for 11 years I did that. And, um, when I'm at Old Trafford, often the best moments for, when, for, for breathing was when the train went past uh, and, and, and the, the effects might would pick up the train or latterly the tram. Mm. And, uh, and that was, that was, that was lovely because it was a, it was a, it was a, a proper noise from the, the scenario is all part of the genre and the, the feel of, of Old Trafford Cricket Ground. And I think probably still is, uh, as, although, as I say, now they're the, the yellow trams rather than trains as such. Um, but I, can, I, I didn't commentate in the days when we had steam engines, but I can imagine some of the steam engines going past and that must have engendered quite an atmosphere, literally the smoke, but also I'm referring to the noise, the sound and uh, disappearing slowly, coming slowly from out of the distance and then the, the noise would resound all around the ground, the effects might pick it up and then the steam engine would gladly, would, would slowly but gradually move away again into the distance. That must have been fantastic. But you've got radio commentary. You've got to keep it going. I've done football. I've done rugby league. I've done uh, cricket. I've even done darts on the radio for uh, for, for talk sport. And uh, that's, again, you've got to... Uh, so you can hear the crowd. You can hear the noise. You can hear the referee shout his score. But then you've got to add to that. That puts him down to 403. And so now it's um, Nicholson throwing on 361. He gets the treble 20, gets the single 20, moves down to treble 17. And then you can either say 97. And uh, suddenly, and you know, that now takes him down to 280. And you're always having to do the maths and keep the listener informed. It's got to roll along. Yeah. Football commentary is the same, you know. Ball down beneath me, on the touchline, Adams pushes it inside to Johnson. Johnson, a good ball there to Richie. Richie, back it goes to Jobson. Jobson pushes it forward. And all the time you've got to keep, and, and, and keep direct, not, not all the time, but direct where the ball is going on the pitch. Out to the left wing touchline, about 18 yards out from goal. It's Rick Holden. Takes the ball round his man, crosses, Colt comes out. Oh, the ball's in the back of the net. And it's City nil, Oldham won. I used to commentate on Oldham Athletic. And I actually did that. It's City nil, Oldham won. Graham Sharp has scored. And I had to make it sound as though I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> but of course, I wasn't really. But that's another thing in commentary. You can't be partisan. Um, you can be 
you can't be partisan. You can lean towards one team if, as I used to commentate on Lancashire cricket, on the Lancashire stations, then it's, it's not as strong as bias. But there's just a leaning towards. But you still give credit to the opposition and you, you're more or less down the line. But you do have that licence just to be a little more sort of uh, uh, biased with a small b towards the home team or towards the team that you're actually covering. Oh, yeah, I can, I, can, I can imagine it would be difficult for me if, if I was commentating on City-Liverpool and, and City scored. I don't think I would be... I mean, you've you done a better job there than I probably would have done if my team conceded the goal, for sure. In terms of that, yes. Tom, you, you mentioned Soccer Saturday as well, and I was, I was going to come on to that, so we'll do that now. Again, you mentioned earlier that you've been doing that for over come up to 25 years, and your your job really, again, based in the northwest, is usually at, usually at a, a, a football league ground rather than at the Premier League ground more often than not. Oh, yes, we don't do the Premier League, no. Yeah, and, and no, how, is that, how is that for you? Because you are, is that feel a bit more, I don't know what the word is, like community driven when you're in those those grounds where you're perhaps not surrounded by all the glitz and the glamour a little bit? Is that something that still appeals to you now? Oh, yes, absolutely. I can't wait for us to get going again and for, 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 for people like me to be allowed into the grounds. I hope they don't say people over 70 can't come in because uh, I'm well over 70 now, but uh, uh, I, I'm still very much uh, alert to things and uh, and I still love doing my job. But um, uh, yes, I enjoy going to places like Rotherham and Doncaster. I, I'm sent over to Yorkshire quite a number of times and up to Blackpool, Preston and uh, down to the Potteries um, and uh, cross, of course, to Merseyside, although that's really to do Tranmere Rovers. Um, rather, although when the FA Cup, when we used to cover the FA Cup, Sky don't anymore, but we used to be able to go to FA Cup grounds. Um, they weren't allowed to have people in the ground in front of camera. So that was the occasion, the only time when we were allowed, we were, we were given games in the, in the FA Cup at Premier League grounds and I've done cup matches at City and also at, uh, at Goodison Park um, as well so th that's always nice but um, my, my first football job was with uh, Piccadilly Radio in Manchester again covering the, 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 t the teams outside of the big two uh, Back in the 80s, I'd do Bolton Wanderers, Wigan, Stockport County and Oldham Athletic, Rochdale um, and all the other teams in Greater Manchester. And um, uh, I'd also, um, then I moved across to Radio Manchester or GMRs, it was called at the time, uh, to do Oldham Athletic specifically during their four great years. And they won the second division title and had three fantastic years in the Premier League. Uh, with Joe Royal as manager, what a great guy! I know that as a as a Liverpudlian, you may not uh, quite appreciate what a wonderful centre forward he was in uh, in a great Everton team, uh, and a lovely fella. Played for City as well, of course. But um, got to know Joe very well. Uh, but then when I left when I left that job, I was working for Radio London, doing the London teams up north. So one week I'd be doing. 
Sheffield Wednesday and West Ham, I remember that. Next week I'd be at Scunthorpe and Leighton Orient. Uh, the next week I'd be at Burnley and Millwall. And then the next week it was City and, uh, 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 and Arsenal. Uh, I remember doing Blackburn and Arsenal the year that Blackburn won the Premier League. Uh, I've been to Goodison, Spurs, Everton and Spurs. And uh, that was the nice thing about that job. I did do Premier League games. Uh, and I did that for three years. And in 97, Jeff Stelling uh, asked me what I was doing next season while we were at Blackpool for the World Match Play. And Jeff used to front the darts. We'd have a few pints after me, Jeff and a few others uh, in the hotel. I said, I, I said, Radio London have finished. Uh, the, last, the last game I did for them was Manchester United and West Ham at Old Trafford. And it was the last game of the season and United had won the Premier League, <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, for about the third time in five years. And um, it was 97 and they beat West Ham 3-1. And Radio London said to me, John, uh, at a minute to six, we're coming out with you uh, at Old Trafford at the home of the champions. Uh, just take us out, will you please? Because we, we're not covering the FA Cup final. No, no, hardly ever had London teams in the FA Cup final, so it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but actually, it was their last programme. They were one of these radio stations that next season, all they were going to do was play music on a Saturday afternoon. And there were a number of, that have done that, and I think regretted it. So I was doing my last job for Radio London. And uh, at, at full time, they came to me a minute ago and I said, so there we are. It's a, a marvellous sight here at Old Trafford. I don't think anybody's left. I can see the Manchester United players across the far side, Cantona running round with a trophy aloft. I can see Alex Ferguson and Steve Bruce and I was going on about all these players. And they said, Winnie, you've got 10 seconds. I said, 30 seconds, he said. So I said, so that sums up the season. And bear in mind, for three years, I'd been travelling around the north of England with these Cockneys, uh, all in good fun, saying things like, oh, Gwynny's gone along the cobbled M62 today to Elland Road. And uh, John, are you all right? Uh, your bone shaker managed to get there. You know, you know how they are. Oh, Gwynny's in Manchester today. He stayed in Manchester. Uh, is it the small umbrella, the medium umbrella, or the big one, John? You know, that kind of thing. So I put up with that for three years. Anyway, I'm going out. And they said, 10 seconds. So let's sum up the 96-97 season. Division three, Division three champions, Wigan Athletic. Champions of Division two, Berry. Champions of Division one, Bolton Wanderers. And the Premiership champions, Manchester United. Final score, Greater Manchester 4, the rest nil. And those were my final words. And I had the final say. I was chuffed with that. But well, that was good fun. And it was then, during the World Match Play in 1997, that uh, Jeff said, well, we've got a programme uh, coming up, starting, called Soccer Saturday. Um, if, if you're interested, he said, I'll put your name forward. He did. My first game was Blackpool and Blythe Spartans in the FA Cup. Blackpool won 4-3 in an end-to-end -end game, which was perfect for me as a starter. And I've been doing it ever since.
Amazing, amazing. On that, when you're at the ground stuff, obviously Soccer Saturday is such a, a quick-paced programme. You know, Jeff yes. Sterling, like, you, you might come to you and you might have 10 seconds to let, you know, a goal's gone in and, and, and you've, got to, you've got to give that update and you've got to give it and then you've got to get off straight away. Is that something that you found that, easier to do? As you, because like you say, you, you are someone who likes to paint a picture where in this instance you've got to kind of give what you've got to do but then you've got to get out to the side pretty quickly. Well, you are painting a picture. You're simply painting a picture of the goal. And, it, and, and uh, what happens when a goal scored is I dial into the studio Say it's a goal at uh, at uh, it's a goal at Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield won uh, Sheffield Wednesday nil. Uh, sorts all the scorer and they'll put me through, and I can hear the program. I can hear Jeff, and then he'll mention it. And if something's happened in the Premier League, then that takes precedence. So I'm sitting there waiting. But if not, we'll go to John Gwynn. So one nil. One nil, John. Yes, ball out on the right, Jeff. It was Johnson who crossed it from the right perfectly onto the centre circle, uh, onto the penalty spot. And there was such and such a person to nod it neatly into the back of the net. Huddersfield one, Sheffield Wednesday nil. That's about 10 seconds, 12 seconds at the most. And that's what you've got to be like. Now, occasionally, he'll come over, and it, this has happened, and... Uh, something will happen while you're on air. So you're describing a goal, and I remember this happening at Wigan Athletic, and I'm going, Ellington, a brilliant, brilliant goal. It was played through to him by Sharp. He latched onto it on the edge of the box, moved to the right and lashed it past the keeper into the back of the net. And Jeff, as I speak, it looks as though they've got another one. Yes, it's Jason Brown down on the far side, and it's suddenly it's Tuna. And Jeff said, Jeff said, what I'd give to have a voice like that. And I thought, quite proud, really. I felt quite proud. <laughs> and on one occasion, he said, Ah, John Gwynn, the spirit of Soccer Saturday. And I've actually written a book called uh, Soccer Satisfied. And uh, it's about my it's an autobiography, really. But um, with football as the main theme through it, though cricket gets a mention of place to place, where appropriate, same with darts, and, and, and also other aspects of my life. And um, uh, Jeff has written me this foreword for that, and, and, and in it is, John Gwynn is the spirit, and has been the spirit of Soccer Saturday. Um, that's nice, isn't it? It's amazing. Like I say, just and this might sound surreal to you because you are in the moment, but just listening to you say those those commentaries you've just done for me again, it just brings back yes. similar, similar, similar similar memories. Like you say, I, I can sit there on Saturday afternoon and in ten seconds I've, I've heard your voice and it's gone again. It, it's quite surreal to be talking in this. The most disappointing is when you get a nil nil and they don't come, or when you get a game with goals and because obviously uh, the top two divisions. Uh, take precedence. Sometimes you 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 sit there twiddling your thumbs and you have to grin and bear it. But it 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 can be annoying because uh, I remember doing Fleetwood in Ipswich last season and Ipswich were top unbeaten and Fleetwood were third and uh, Ipswich scored and I I did what I said I did I, I dialed in and told them waited waited and waited and so many other things were happening in the end they said John we won't be coming after all and that was that. And I thought, well, that sending me to the biggest game in League One and not getting on air is a bit disappointing. Uh, but yeah. you, you, you have to, you have to live with that. 
I'm afraid. Yeah. You still get paid, although we <laughs> don't just do it for the pay. No, absolutely. I can imagine. Before we go, I've got one more question. And apologies if it's a silly question, but you mentioned there, but you know, you, you, the voice and that that's your tool is that you hear sometimes about, you know, singers and, and such have to look after their voices and do yes. exercises. Is that something that you're conscious of? Because obviously with your voice is your career essentially. Is that something that you have to be wary of in terms of looking after it, whether it be at both? No, uh, uh, like I can't say in a general sense that is the case. Mm. I'm not aware of that. The only time I become aware of that is if I get a sore throat, yeah. uh, which thankfully I haven't had for a long time, um, because it'd be especially frightening with what's around at the moment. Um, uh, or, or, you know, if my voice feels as though it's going, uh, then you have to be careful and you have to look after it and uh, nurture it and, and hope that you get by. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine, because like I say, for, for some people, you, 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 that is your career, your voice, and I really appreciate you taking the time, John, to, to speak to us today. It's been absolutely delightful. I'm sure that those memories, we're flooding back to, flooding back to the listeners, so uh, again, thank you so much. Well, it's been my pleasure, uh, Steve, and um, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So yeah, that was John Gwynn, I've been Steve Hort, and that was the Sport and Voices podcast, and we'll be back soon, so keep an eye out for the next episode, and I'll see you all soon. Goodbye.